lesson is Mark chapter 7, and it's a selection of verses. It's verses 1 through 8, then 14 and 15, and then 21 and 23. The Pharisees and some legal experts from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. They saw some of his disciples eating food with unclean hands. They were eating without first ritually purifying their hands through washing. The Pharisees and all the Jews don't eat without first washing their hands carefully. This is a way of observing the rules handed down by the elders. Upon returning from the marketplace, they don't eat without first immersing themselves. They observe many other rules that have been handed down, such as the washing of cups, jugs, pans, and sleeping mats. So the Pharisees and legal experts asked Jesus, why are your disciples not living according to the rules handed down by the elders, but instead eat food with ritually unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He wrote, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty, since they teach instructions that are human words. You ignore God's commandment while holding on to rules created by humans and handed down to you. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said, Listen to me, all of you. Nothing outside of a person can enter and contaminate a person in God's sight. Rather, the things that come out of a person contaminate the person. It's from the inside, from the human heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual sins, thefts, murders, adultery, greed, evil actions, deceit, unrestrained immorality, envy, insults, arrogance, and foolishness. All these evil things come from the inside and contaminate a person in God's sight. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Pharisees are the, uh, I suppose you can almost call them the villains of the gospel story. And it's a little bit of an over-exaggeration to think of them as being villains. These were the folks... These were the good religious people of the day. They were the ones that people looked up to for holiness. And, and they had what they had done was they had taken what we have in our Old Testament for laws, and they had tried to make those laws relevant for people. In other words, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, what does that mean? Can I go watch my neighbor's house and honor the Sabbath and keep it holy? Probably not. Probably walking too far. Can I cook a meal? No, but you can serve leftovers. Can I feed and water my animals? Yes, you may, but that's all you can do with them. So it was trying to make the, make the Word of God relevant. And this business of washing hands wasn't about, unlike what I told the kids and, and what your parents told you, when the disciples were talking about washing their hands, it wasn't about getting germs off. They didn't know what germs were. It was about being ritually clean, being right with God. But Jesus said there, there's a bigger problem here. Because whether or not the disciples' hands are clean, what comes out of our hearts is a whole lot more harmful than what's on our hands. 
Sin starts in the heart. It starts with an attitude. It starts with an attitude of me first. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to have it the way I want to have it. I'm going to have it when I want to have it. I'm going to have it right now. It starts with an attitude of I don't care about other people. They don't matter to me. The Pharisees were hypocrites. They were, they, by the time they had gotten to Jesus' day, as a group, they were more concerned with keeping up appearances than being holy. They wanted people to look up to them. They wanted to be the ones who were thought of as being the religious superstars of the day. But their hearts weren't in it. Their hearts were all about following rules, and they didn't care about people. And we know that they didn't really care about people because when Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath, they would immediately object. How could you heal that person on the Sabbath? You've got six other days of the week you can heal that person. How could you do this on the Sabbath? And Jesus' reply, paraphrased, was... The Sabbath is God's day. What better day is there for healing than the Sabbath? Why, why make somebody who's been suffering for years wait another day? Why not heal on the Lord's day? What could possibly be more appropriate, more giving to God than to heal on the Sabbath? But the Pharisees wanted their rules. They wanted to be right. And they were overlooking what happens in our hearts. James talks about anger and deceit and what happens in our hearts. And we need to take care. Because those things can lodge in our hearts and can ruin us. Have you all ever met somebody who's carrying a major burden and has gotten bitter from carrying it? They're hard to be around. They're hard to deal with. Because they've gotten so wrapped up in their anger that there's no room for anything else. There's no room for any light. There's no room for any love. They're just operating full steam ahead on anger all the time. And that's what James is talking about. And that kind of anger kills. It, sometimes we see it actually kill when we see mass shootings and, and violence against people. But I think more often, it kills the heart. It kills the spirit. We have to forgive one another when we get angry. We have to forgive, not because of the other person, but because it hurts our hearts. And that doesn't mean forgetting. That doesn't mean that it's all okay. Don't get me wrong. But the burden that we carry, if we carry that unforgiveness, becomes too much to carry. And it can spill over into the rest of our lives. We may be carrying unforgiveness towards one person in one area, but all of a sudden it can morph into the rest of our lives and can cause a lot of damage and a lot of hurt. We need to guard our hearts. We need to be aware of what we're putting into our bodies. 
not just the food that we eat, but what we what we take in. Y'all, there are times, you know, I stay on, I stay on Facebook because I got to keep up with y'all in my other church. Um, I stay on Facebook because I can find out, sometimes I can get information about what's happened faster on Facebook than somebody will call the pastor. So I stay on Facebook. But there are days where I have to shut down Facebook because I can't take it anymore. Um, I, I get so angry, I get so frustrated by some of what I'm seeing. And I'll unfollow folks, and I'll snooze folks for, for, if it's somebody I really care about, but they're really saying something that I really object to, I, I'm not going to get on there and light them up. I, I just, I, I snooze them. I'll come back in a month, let me see what you're doing in a month, and we'll see, we'll take it from there. But it's, when, when, we, when we ingest all that vitriol, and that's most of what we're getting right now in social media, that's a lot of what we're getting through the, the media, is vitriol and anger, and when we get all of that, we take it all in, it hurts our hearts. It separates us from God, because God is love. And God wants us to love one another. And so, if our hearts are loving, that goes a long ways towards keeping us from the kind of attitude that the hypocrites had, that the Pharisees had, that Jesus was speaking about. We need our hearts to be loving because sin starts in the heart. It's a lot harder for sin to get a foothold in our hearts if our hearts are oriented toward God in the first place. I had to answer a question. Well, I had to answer a bunch of questions when I was going to be ordained. Um, we, we Methodists like our paperwork, and I had to submit a packet of papers about like that. Uh, answers to a variety of theological and um, religious questions. And after I got through with all of that, when I was told I was going to be ordained, I had to stand up before the annual conference. And we did it as a group. You didn't have to answer the questions individually. We did it as a group. But you had to answer a set of questions in front of everybody. One of the questions that we are asked is, do you believe you're going on to perfection? Y'all, the answer to that question is supposed to be yes. Okay, now, let me explain what John Wesley meant when he said perfection, because, you know, my, my first thought was, no, I can't say that. Of course I'm not going on to perfection. Well, yes, actually you are. What John Wesley meant by perfection was that he was being made perfect in love. That eventually the goal of the human being is for every thought every action, every word we say, to be motivated by our love for God and God's love for us. That's Christian perfection. And he believed, Wesley firmly believed it was fully possible in this life. He didn't think it happened very often. And I don't think he thought he had it. But he absolutely believed it was possible to get to that point. And I've known a few people who I think were there. I've, I've met a few saints in my life that, that I think we're there. But that's, what, that's the goal, that's what we're going toward, is being made perfect in love. Well, how, how, do you get, how do you get there? Through prayer? It's part of why I think studies like this one are so important. Because they give us different avenues of praying. And, and so, so many times I've talked to folks, and I've been through this myself, of, well, you know, I, I try to pray, but I just don't get anything out of it. 
Well, it may be because you're not praying in a way that's, that, that works for you. There's more than one way to pray. And I think that when we find the way that fits us, that suits our individual personalities, we can get more out of our prayer life. We can draw closer to God. Because it's by praying, it's through prayer and reading scripture and worship and sacraments. These are all the ways in which we grow closer to God. And in growing closer to God, that's when God works his wonderful way within us and softens our hearts and makes us more loving. So this morning I invite you, when you do come down, we'll do communion in a few minutes. And when you do come down for communion, I invite you to think about the work that God is doing in your heart. And may you pray that, that God would make your heart such that what comes out from you is love. Love of God and love of the neighbor. That you would glorify God in all that you do. Amen.